Hey there, dudes and dudettes, and welcome to Extreme Movie Reviews, where the takes are as extreme as literally any product you could have bought in the 90s. It's totally time to set your Tamagotchis down, pick up your pogs off of the floor, sit back, and relax for a radical time with your host. Let's get weird. I hope you're all doing well. I decided that since I've already had a fair amount of horror, and there's definitely more to come in October, and I believe for sure one in December, I should probably drop something non-horror related for y'all. So, this is a fast-forward review of a strange film, 2008's Strange Wilderness. Let's get moving. What do you think the ratings look like? Very quickly, I'm going to be going through three scores, Rotten Tomatoes, Audience Score, their Critical Score, and IMDb's score. Rotten Tomatoes, very briefly, is either a thumbs up or a thumbs down, did you like the movie? That is how this rating works, so my guess will be what percentage of people gave it a thumbs up. For Rotten Tomatoes Audience Score, my guess is 42%. It's a stoner comedy, so I'm thinking the number of votes should be lower-ish and more concentrated with the movie's target audience. Plus, I enjoyed it, so I'm hoping it's close to 50% for my own dignity. The audience score, with 110,211 votes, is 35%. I was a little high there. Rotten Tomatoes critics score, my guess is 10%. I mean, it's gonna be low. There's no way that it isn't low. There aren't really any redeemable qualities to this movie, and stoner comedies generally don't get great reviews from critics to begin with. The critic score is 2%. 2% with 47 votes. Not super surprising. And up next is the IMDb score, which is essentially, instead of a thumbs up or a thumbs down, it's like, how much did you like the movie? It's kind of the difference between my personal rating and my official podcast score. So, my guess for the IMDb score is 3.7. There's no real explanation here for this. I'm just kind of throwing a dart. I got no clue what it's going to be. And with 20,000, almost 800 votes, 20,800, this movie received a 5.3 out of 10. Color me surprised. Given the number of votes, I think what happened is exactly what I was thinking would happen with the Rotten Tomatoes audience score. The score is probably heavily weighted by the movie's target audience. Let's give that a quick recap. The Rotten Tomatoes audience score was 35%. The critics score was a lowly 2%. And the IMDb score was 5.3 out of 10. To put that into words, if you like stoner comedies, especially... That late 90s to mid 2000s style comedy, like Dude Where's My Car, Pineapple Express, Harold and Kumar Go to White Castle, uh, Grandma's Boy, etc. You won't hate this movie, but you also won't put it in the same class as those movies, at least I think the majority of people wouldn't. If you're not into that era of comedy, it's a hard pass. So like, do you recommend the movie? Strange Wilderness is an R-rated movie, mostly for language and drug use, a little bit of nudity. The movie is about an hour and 20 minutes long. Thank you for that. To be clear, right now, I will just be telling you essentially what I would kind of tell you if we had bumped out into each other in the street and you randomly asked me, Hey, should I rent Strange Wilderness tonight? 
I would kind of tell you that I can't recommend the movie, but if you like stupid, mindless stoner comedy and you see this on a streaming service one night, definitely give it a shot because you could very much easily do worse than this movie. Personally, I enjoyed it, um, especially the first time that I saw it. I've probably rewatched it three more times now since it came out, and I'm going to give the movie two stars with a polite smile. The plot of the movie is incredibly simple. The crew of a wildlife show that is done poorly and in the dumps has two weeks to save their show with, quote-unquote, something big. And that's it. That's our plot. Hey, dude. Sorry, it's me again. I was just wondering, could you tell me more about the movie? A Happy Madison production opens up with our main degenerate, Peter, played by Steve Zahn, who is watching footage of his father's wildlife show called Strange Wilderness. After his dad died, he took over the show, and with a puff of smoke, we are on the set where they are filming his version of Strange Wilderness. We get introduced to the show's crew. First up is Jonah Hill, who plays Cooker. He has some sort of job. He's essentially an intern for them. I don't think they ever clearly dictate any true position on the crew for him. Next up is Ernest Borgenine, who plays Milas who is an elderly cameraman. He's the leftovers from his father's crew. Ernest is not exactly a no-name actor. He's been around and been in some pretty great films in his life. You would probably recognize him. Alan Covert is up next. He plays Fred. He's a mustached and clueless sound man. If you're into these stoner comedies, you'll recognize him. And Justin Long, who plays Junior, a young gun smoking out of a bong. Slinger tripod, break out the creel, and I need a mercury lens because I'm going to reverse out all the glass. Got it? Okay. Uh, it's a, it's a nice chat. Talk to me, Miles. How we doing? Uh, we're doing fine. A couple more minutes, this damn thing's stuck again. Hang on, people. I am picking up an underwater bubbling sound. I, I'm not sure what it is, but I mean, it is bubbling furiously. He's the old cameraman's nephew. Junior, nothing Justin Long is a great actor, too. All right, whatever it was, is gone now. Fred and Peter are also the writers, from what it appears. This is a bar napkin. Yeah. This is it. Our entire voiceover for our show and bears is written on a cocktail napkin. Yeah, we wrote it last night at PJ Mahoney's. Note, he calls it PJ Mahoney's, but in a short bit, I'm pretty sure they call it PJ Maloney's. From my recollection, it's something I've noticed since the first time I watched this movie. Bears, and I still bears, remember. Bear, bears are large and brown. All right. Come on. Not all bears are large. What about baby bears? Huh? Bears derive their name from a football team in Chicago. No. It's the other way around. Jesus Christ, Fred. Come on. It is estimated that bears kill over 2 million salmon a year. Attacks by salmon on bears are much more rare. All right, that's going to be true, right? All right, let's go with that one. Let's get me... But you get the idea. This show isn't exactly well done. There's more evidence of this as Peter finds out he is late for a meeting with Lawson, the head of the station. We get introduced to Dan. Hey, fellas. I was bombed last night at PJ Maloney's. Yep. Maloney's. Knew it. Because some kind of pebble or rock or something clogged up my penis hole, and my Johnson swelled up like a fucking water balloon hooked up to a tea kettle. 
here's a glimpse into some of the wonderful comedy in this movie. Anyways, Danny is played by Peter Dante, who pretty much always plays the same role in all Adam Sandler movies. And from my understanding, that role is essentially who he is as a person anyways. So I always call him Dante in every movie I've ever seen him in. I'll probably refer to him as Dante during this review. We get introduced to our bad guy slash arch nemesis, Sky Pearson, played by Harry Hamlin, an actor who's been in a lot of stuff and you would recognize him. Fred and Peter actually both love him, even though Pearson and company are complete bags to them. What are you guys doing here? We're talking to Lawson about bringing our wildlife show over here to Cape Cod. It's great, because Lawson's in there jumping through hoops trying to make the deal work. It's so much fun to have your ass royally pissed. (laughs) (laughs) But after all, it's not your fault that our budget blows yours to kingdom come. (laughs) And you must miss your father's skills, am I right? Yeah. Yeah, actually, it's, it's... They have their meeting and find out that in two weeks the show is going to be canceled. Unless something big happens. This scene is actually pretty funny and so it is the following scene where the crew gathers for a meeting to come up with something big to remain on air. An old friend of Peter's dad happens to stop by during this meeting and he informs Peter that he has evidence and a map to the location of Bigfoot. The big break these guys needed. Lovely timing. The old friend is Bill, who is played by Joe Don Baker. He's another actor who has been around and you would recognize him. But Bill needs money for the map. Pearson's already offered Bill um, $1,000 for it and they're going to find a way to get the money to Bill in a week's time. Bill doesn't want to give the map to Pearson due to his relationship with Pierce, uh, Peter's father. Okay, we're going to shoot five wildlife shows on the way down then we're going to pay it off with the first ever footage of the legendary Bigfoot. Pete, I think you just saved the show, you son of a gun. <laughs> Your dad would be proud of you, boy. <laughs> Have a dog on it. I don't think I'm going to make the big run, fellas. I just can't. What? But Numbnuts here will run your camera for you. Numbnuts is his nephew, Junior. I understand. I'm going to miss you. Miss you, too. Now, listen. What about that $1,000 that Bill wants for these? All right. I need everyone to go home, scrape up as much cash as you can find, all right? Think of this as an investment in your future. If this works, we all work. And people, this is going to work. Yeah. 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 Hey, Debbie! Debbie! I need you to set up interviews for an animal handler staff. We get a scene full of fun interviews. It's a lot like uh, the interviews seen in Step Brothers, for instance, and Farva gets the job. That is Kevin Heffernan, who is playing the role of Whitaker in this movie, but he's forever Farva in my eyes, and probably most people's eyes. This crew, uh, they need a chick. Obviously, we can't just have this movie with all dudes. So we get Cheryl, who is played by Ashley Scott. She's not really a no-name either. Cheryl in the movie, is a travel agent and is also coming along for the trip. Okay. Locked and loaded over They forgot their luggage. Jonah Hill serenades us on the road trip. Have you ever tried to poop and brush your teeth at the same time? For the heart. If 
They put Dante into a seal outfit that they happen to remember. Plot conveniences and plot holes are a regular thing if you haven't caught on to that yet. But he puts the seal outfit on for reasons? So that he can swim along with the seals unnoticed? They have to film several segments for the show while they're on the road. This scene made me laugh. Dante ends up getting attacked by a shark while in his costume in the water. Nice work, way to steal a joke from the movie Friday. Between the dental bill from this event and probably the bill for Dante as well, they are broke. However, Junior jacked a tank of nitrous from the dentist office, and can you guess what the street value of a tank of nitrous is? Just about $1,000. Perfect. In the very next scene, we see the nitrous tank has accidentally opened up, and now they're all just being crazy inside of this RV. They have a party. Nitrous gone. They arrive to Bill's three days late, and he's already sold the map to Pearson. Bill has his cabin decked out in security cameras. He's a paranoid kind of fella. And so he goes through the footage. He wants to get them a view of the map that they could use. They realize that Pearson and Bill's wife got it on. Also, props. Good-ass quality on these security cameras that Bill has. They get a perfect view of the map. There it is. There it is. Now all I gotta do is zoom in on it and... Bill's going to give them one more thing to help them out in their travels. Pearson may have the map in a three days head start, but that won't be enough. Thanks. Because now you have the map, and I'm going to give you a little something extra. I like this stupid joke. His name is Gus Hayden. You are shitting me. You know Bigfoot's name? Uh, no, no, Pete. <laughs> this tracker, his name is Gus Hayden. It's only one issue. They're broke. They end up at a hospital again. A turkey got his mouth around Peter's penis and, for some reason, isn't or cannot let go. Somehow, it comes to fruition that the turkey has a 5k reward for its return. We're in the money, honey. They get in touch with a guy, Dick, who is going to bring them to Gus Hayden. Dick is played by Blake Clark, yet another actor that you would recognize. They reach Gus Hayden, who is played by Robert Patrick, an actor that you would 100% recognize as he played the bad Terminator in Terminator 2 Judgment Day. If you haven't seen that movie, go and watch the Terminator's movies. The first two. For your information, 
the crew is in the South American jungles at this point in the movie. The movie rather poorly sets up that Cheryl may be digging Gus Hayden's machismo while they all share stories about scars that they have while um, they're sitting around a campfire. They wake up in the morning and Cheryl and Gus are both gone and with all of the supplies. Do this to us! No, 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 I saw her eye in that fucking psycho across the campfire last night. Shit! Shit! Stop! which would include the map to get Bigfoot. Regardless, they make the decision to press forward in their search for the Bigfoot. <laughs> I'm calling him the Bigfoot like he's the Shredder. Things are looking bad that night, and out of the dark comes Cheryl. She's been tracking them all day, she says. She explains that she'd rather get with any of them than that psycho Gus. So the setup that she was into Gus during that campfire scene was uh, just bogus. Also... B, she woke up and Gus was jacking all of their stuff, so she convinced Gus that she wanted to go with him in order to secure the Bigfoot map. I mean, she didn't tell Gus the part about the Bigfoot map, so she took one for the team there. Dick, the guy who brought them to Gus in one of the funnier setups of the movie, gets murdered by a swarm of piranhas. Here's another one of those piranha bastards. In an effort to get revenge, they do some fishing for dinner. All these fucking stupid fish. We were gonna make it. And these bastards ate this. How's it feel to get eaten, fish fuckers? Yeah! How's it feel to get eaten? Stupid, stupid fish. You think we just let you get away with eating dick, you son of bitches, pieces of rubber trash? Fuck you! Fuck you! Hey, wait a minute. These are the fish that ate dick, right? Yeah! Yeah, yeah! Alright, just go with me here. Here. Dick is in the fishes, and we're eating the fishes. Doesn't that mean we're eating Dick? They stumble upon Pearson and his team, who have all pretty freshly been murdered by what looks like a local tribe. They gather Pearson's uh, supplies, and then they travel in the night using fire for a source of light. I'm just thinking here, spitballing, maybe... Using fire for lighting at night would not be the smartest decision considering that the tribe just killed Pearson's crew and they're probably pretty close by. They arrive to Bigfoot's cave and they begin filming outside of the cave for their Bigfoot episode. While filming, Bigfoot wakes up and he steps out of the cave stretching and taking a deep breath of fresh air. Perhaps this Bigfoot creature can bridge the divide between us and them. Perhaps his gentle ways can teach us, remind us, that peace and harmony are necessary. When? If mankind is to survive. They freak out. The Bigfoot costume is um, very clearly a man in a costume. It's done well enough for sure, but kind of like the turkey prop from earlier, it's also very clearly not realistic looking either. It's, uh, it's essentially a really good B 
B-movie prop. In a scene that goes a little too long, they realize that it may not be the best to end their episode on the murder of the Bigfoot. Luckily enough, Jonah Hill has an idea, and we transition back to civilization with an airplane shot. Dante is okay. Those sharks ate the living shit out of me like my leg was a fucking piece of corn on the cob of butter on it. I was yelling at them that I wasn't no seal. Hey, it's me, Danny boy. But they didn't understand my human language. So I got this fake leg now. The doc comes in my room and he asks me what kind I want. What the fuck? It turns out he's talking about the wood or some shit. Mahogany, pine, or balsa. So that gets me thinking. I should put a jackhammer on there. So when I walk up the sidewalk, I can bust up the cement. <laughs> They turn in the footage to Lawson, who, by the way, is played by Jeff Garland. No introduction needed. And Lawson seems to be enjoying it as we join them while they are watching the episode. We reach the moment of truth. The legendary Bigfoot. What we found inside the cave shocked us all. Apparently, the Bigfoot had been experiencing depression and hung himself. Forced to live like an animal in a cold, dark cave... I imagine any one of us would have done the same thing. The Bigfoot very clearly has fresh bullet hole wounds all over it. Lawson isn't having it. It was a poor idea, like all of their ideas. As the movie comes to a conclusion, we are back to where we began the movie before the puff of smoke kicked things off. The old man, Milas, the cameraman from the beginning, pays Peter a visit. Peter is very clearly depressed from not being able to save the show. Milas reminds him, all it takes is one good idea. In today's show, we'll be taking a close look at this mysterious creature. What about a show on sharks? That should be named the Asshole of the Sea. Menacing and terrifying. The shark has been menacing and terrifying for over a decade. Sharks can only be found in two places on Earth, the northern and southern hemispheres. This shark is called a hammerhead because his head looks like a hammer. These sharks are attacking Nicole Richie. Possibly my favorite part of the movie. Yes, the shark is a... What the fuck? Look, man, look at that thing's teeth. The CGI on the shark towards the end of the movie sucks. Pete. Pete. People love shark attacks. Besides, Pearson's dead, so you're back out in the air. End movie. actually set up for a potential sequel by stating that the crew months later went on a hunt for the Loch Ness? Yeah, probably not gonna happen, gentlemen. What's your favorite scene, dudes? I don't know that there is any single scene that is the best or my favorite. I'd say the best parts of the movie are when they show footage from the wildlife show that these guys produce. The commentary is always ridiculous and comprises a high percentage of the jokes that do land in this movie. That was totally dope. 
What do you say that we get down in technical, if you know what I mean? Let's start off with writing. The structure is lacking, some dialogue is rough, but that's hard to judge because I'm sure much of this movie is ad-libbed. The plot is almost non-existent, and the tone of the movie is what it is. Plus, there are a few too many plot conveniences as well. So, I'm going to go 3.9 out of 10. This was probably written on the fly or on a bar napkin. Up next, cinematography. I think they did fine work with the cinematography. There isn't anything too challenging going on, but they do um, a few things that help the movie along. There is some bad CGI once or twice. 4.5 out of 10. It's average until you add in the poor CGI, which is something I absolutely despise. Acting. I think it's a subpar performance from our main characters, Steven Zahn and Alan Covert. I like both of them quite a bit, just um, they're not on their A-game in this movie. The secondary characters, uh, or actors, Jonah Hill, Kevin Hefferman, Ashley Scott, and Justin Long, probably all did a better job than these two. My favorite performances are from Justin Long and Jonah Hill. Yet they probably get some of the least screen time in this movie. And then you've got the peripheral characters, the old man and Gus and all them, who probably are the best actors and, and do the best acting in this movie. But hey, um, you know, they're the peripheral characters. So 5.7 out of 10 sounds fair to me. Production design. When they are in the outdoors, it feels like they shot on location. I'm sure the jungle scenes were shot on a soundstage, but possibly not. So I can appreciate that. I talked about the two biggest props in this movie, and both of them are subpar for a feature film. So uh, I'm going to go with 5 out of 10. It's pretty much just average overall for the production design. Sound design. There are no glaring issues, but there wasn't much that is demanded by the sound design. I suppose there are some locations where they could have pumped up the sound design, like in the jungle. The mixing of the audio is all good. The soundtrack is fine relative to the movie. I'm going to go with 4.2 out of 10. It's average, but there was an opportunity to step it up. Think of how Dumb and Dumber's soundtrack design, sound design, helped to make the movie more enjoyable. This movie doesn't do that. When comparing this movie to similar movies by genre, specifically, I would say this movie is a bottom tier feature film from the late 90s, mid 2000s era of comedy. So given that, I'm going to go 3.8 out of 10. I'm being a bit harsh on this rating because the, the group of people that has made this movie has put out some pretty dang good comedies, but this movie doesn't stick the landing. And finally... My total enjoyment factor. Hmm. 5.85 out of 10. It's enjoyable enough for me. Six seems a little high. Um, especially on my first in view on my first viewing, I almost maybe would have given it a seven back then, but that could have been a little age related as to how much I liked it then, so things change. There are a few moments, um, in this movie that I will always remember. And so that helped me bump the score up, but um, there's a lot of lame jokes that fall flat. It manages not to be a horrible movie. It isn't a forgettable movie. So I like that score 5.85 out of 10, just above average.
To wrap that up, writing, 3.9. Cinematography, 4.5. Acting, 5.7. Production design, 5 flat. Sound design, 4.2. In comparison to similar movies, 3.8. Enjoyment factor, 5.85. Add those up. Divide them by a number. And my official podcast score for Strange Wilderness is 4.707 out of 10. It's a movie that had more potential than it lived up to. Do you think the fans and the critics gave it some props reviews or what? Let's start off on a positive note with Donald Clark from the Irish Times who gave it a 3 out of 5 and said, Call me a moron, but I laughed so hard I inhaled my roach. Woof. Let me try that again. Woof. Here's a hard hitter. John J. Puccio from Movie Metropolis gave it 2 out of 10 and said, After watching Strange Wilderness, you may want to soak your feet in a tub of live piranhas just for laughs. You'll find it a lot more fun than anything in this movie. Youch. Here's one that I can understand from... Brian Webster of Apollo Guide, with a score of 36 out of 100, he said, It's just plain lazy, or incompetent or both, filmmaking from start to finish. I don't think it's incompetence. These guys in Happy Madison Productions have all put out better quality product, and even a decent quantity of better stuff, too. I think he nailed it with the laziness. The creators figured the movie would either strike gold or bomb. Sometimes a movie like this just happens to work. Ultimately, I think laziness prevented the movie from being better. In their defense, sometimes you just have to roll the dice because the amount of effort it would take to improve something just isn't worth the time for the potential difference in the return on investment for that extra effort. A good example would be Star Wars Episode One, where at the screening of the final cut for the creators of the movie, you can see everyone looking uncomfortable and George Lucas makes the comment, I may have gone too far in a few places. Well, you can't exactly go back and start from scratch. You can do rewrites, you can do some reshots, etc. But you can only fix so much and once you factor in outside forces, sometimes you don't have much of a choice but to roll with it. Those were all critical reviews, so let's see what the audience has to say. First thing I see are three recent reviews, all five stars, claiming the movie is underrated, people don't get it, and it's an all-time fave, co- all-time fave comedy. Coming on a little strong, guys. Matthew S. Never even made it halfway. Well, I don't think it's fair to give a movie a half star if you didn't finish it. It's not fair to rate it at all if you didn't watch the entire thing. Jake A., has got some things to say. He says, This is an offensive movie because it contains a lot of talent, but the script is poorly done. This movie is bad because we follow a group of idiots as they don't learn anything and nothing is resolved. This movie lacks structure, character development, resolution, and humor. Well, I think he just about nailed it. I totally forgot about character development when watching and rating this movie, so... There's, like, no character development. I think... The only character development is one of them stopping drinking. So, solid review with a half star there from Jake A, but I think the rating's a little low. Let's move on. You get the idea. It's time for some totally tubular facts. 
During the clip of the zebra being eaten by the vultures, the zebra responds to the birds with, Oh my god, oh my god. It's actually a clip taken from Super Troopers. Uh, it is a Paul Soder clip from when he is um, flashing Marissa Coughlin outside of the police station while on the phone with her. And I knew I recognized that clip from somewhere, so I was happy when I found that fact. That's all I got. I'm not sure when I'll release this episode. Could be sooner, could be later, but my guess is that my next review after this one will be John Carpenter's Halloween. I made this episode to break up the run on horror reviews for those not into horror, so I hope this gave something for some of you to listen to. Peace! Love. Map. Oh snap, dude. That was like a hella good show. <laughs> we totally hope that you had a banging time as well. And we'd appreciate it if you followed us on any or all of our social media. You can even donate to help us improve. All right, what the fuck?